All right, guys, before we get going on this podcast, uh, bear with us. Um, it got a little bit slow in the middle. Steve and I kind of got off on a tangent talking about trees. Um, it gets really good tech talk towards the end of the podcast. And once we're done talking about that, uh, so just listen all the way through. Trust me, it gets pretty good at the end. And then Stephen and I also talked off air about um, outlining the podcasts and uh, giving a little bit better structure on the podcast themselves, which we've been doing a little bit of, but it will be a lot better in the future now that we're, you know, 10 weeks into this, getting a little bit more dialed. So bear with us. Listen to the whole episode. Trust me, you'll want to hear the stuff at the end of it. And don't skip all the way to the end because there's a lot of good stuff in the middle. So thank you for listening. And here is the episode. All right, guys, welcome to episode 10 of FR Lock. Steven, we've now been doing this for 10 episodes. What do you think? I'm having a lot of fun. I don't know if everyone else is enjoying our shenanigans, but it sounds like we're having some pretty good feedback and it's a lot of fun. So let's keep doing it. Yeah, man, I mean, I know I've gotten good feedback on my end. I assume you have. And then obviously it's a lot of positivity on the forum. I had been told that we like to talk over each other and stuff. And I'm like, dude, yeah. we don't know what the fuck we're doing. So we just, you know, it's, it's like hard. It's hard. I just did it just now because we're not like <laughs> we're talking as if we're face to face, but we can't see right. each other. So it's hard to like figure out when each other are going to talk. So, yeah, we really yeah, suck at that. It's hard. We should video. Yeah, chat. And it's hard to see the body language and uh, like and there's also somewhat of a delay, too. So, like. Mm-hmm. One thing that I read that podcasters do is like when they're talking about something before and like while they're talking about it, they'll add in pause it like short pauses to give someone a chance to interject because if you're interjecting, that's fine. But it's like when we start talking at the same time is when there's an issue and it's like, it's fine. We can do that. But as soon as we start doing that, then uh, there's also a delay. So what you're hearing me talking, you could be hearing a pause and a spot for you to be able to interject. And then I already started talking again on my end. So it's exactly. not, it's not yeah. perfect, but I, we'll yeah, I was on the so, phone with a client the other day and we were doing, luckily he was a buddy of mine and we we're doing the exact same thing. Every time we we're talking, we'd talk at the same time because we we're leaving like a pause for each other to respond. And both of us left like the same type of pause. And we all both reacted the same way. So we kept talking over each other. We ended up laughing. We did it probably at least 20 times throughout like a 40 minute conversation. It was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. And then the other thing that I've heard or that I've seen is more structured questions for guests and stuff like that. But one thing I want people to know too, which I've said this in a couple episodes, all the guests that have been on already are guests that are going to be coming back on in the future because mm-hmm. we're you know, we are a closer group of uh, people and we want to bring people on that we know and that we're comfortable talking to. We, we want to bring people on that we don't know and have good information too. But for like Curtis and Keith and uh, Phoenix last week, those guys have so much information, especially regarding uh, Toyota stuff that mm-hmm. it's Basically, the first time they come on, we're trying to talk about, you know, them, their rigs and whatever. And then when we talk about technical stuff, we can bring those guys back on periodically about technical stuff, especially in their fields. Exactly. Uh, 
So that will help a lot. And like, I even talked a little bit to Tyler about coming on because he's a Utah native and he knows so much about uh, wheeling in Moab. And so, you know, come on, talk about, you know, the do's and don'ts, some of the things in Moab, some of the things that, you know, you can look forward to and stuff like that. Uh, just trying to give it like a more broad spectrum of everything that we talk about. So if the guest has come on the first time, I'm not trying to make that super structured. It exactly. even makes it more comfortable for us. Yeah, exactly. It makes it more comfortable for us too, because we talk to all these guys and uh, a lot of the times, even when you and I talk 99% of the time, or unless we're on the podcast, it's via text. So oh. we talk to these guys a lot, but it's not necessarily via Chatting. voice. So we're trying yeah. to get to know them as much as, you know, a lot of the people on here. And uh, so... Again, we're 10 episodes in. We're starting to learn. The last, you know, few episodes have been super good. Uh, yeah, last episode, really the last like, half of the last episode was definitely my by far one of my favorites just because we were talking about, like, different tech stuff. And that's the fun part, I feel like. And that's yep. what, in my opinion, that's what a lot of people like to listen to as well is the, right. the, fun, and the tech side of things. Just so you know, that episode obviously has only been out for a week. Um mm -hmm the one with Phoenix and it is almost our most listened to episode and it wow. is our most re listened to episode. So it'll tell me how many people have listened to it and then how many people has listened to it more than once. Um, and we have a few episodes that are like that. Like our first episode is our most listened to episode just because of how long it's one. been out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and you can kind of see a trend like, one thing is our episodes seem to constantly be climbing. We don't ever see like a drop off in, uh, there's some episodes that are viewed more than others. And the episodes that we do together are one of the lowered viewed episodes for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. Well, we don't have a listen to episodes. People want yeah, to listen exactly. to guests. Right. Uh, and so like Curtis, uh, I am Keith and Phoenix are three top wow. episodes and out of all three of those uh phoenix's episode almost has the most views or listens out of all those and it's only been out for a week and it has like i think it said like 22 percent people have re-listened to it so out of all the people that listen to it 20 percent of them have listened to it more than once Damn. um so that's good pretty good uh yeah at, at least for that so and I think that has to do with some of the tech talk that we have and, you know, mm -hmm. Phoenix is pretty articulate and smart. So it's uh, definitely good definitely. to talk to. And Keith, Keith and Curtis's episodes were both really good too. Um, mm -hmm. I know that uh, Tyler's episode had some audio issues um, and then and that's just kind of an update. Yeah. And it is a Jeep <laughs> and 90, I would say 90% of our listeners are Toyota. Um, yeah so that's because just of who we surround ourselves with and who follows yeah. us on instagram and right kind of and mostly exactly. ifs people because of the, like the forum and stuff so yeah definitely right. we definitely have a different group i'd like it to be a little bit more expansive you know talk about solid right. axle stuff too because i like solid axles just not as much as i like right. ifs solid axles are better for crawling and then that's kind of it but right crawling's fucking cool yep <laughs> So anyway, that's just kind of an update on the podcast since we're now 10 episodes in, which is means we're uh, 
10 weeks into this and it's wow. uh we're having a good old time so anyway yep. how would what did you do over thanksgiving i know you're talking about going to Acatillo. i didn't know if you ended up doing that or when played in the snow because i did see on thanksgiving you guys are having snow down there yeah so initially the plan was to like back up we always go to Acatillo wells like we uh, my plan always is after thanksgiving dinner I always have my truck fully loaded, ready to go. I drive that to Thanksgiving dinner, and then from Thanksgiving dinner, we drive to the desert. That's just how it's been for the last three, four, five years. Um, This year, some of our buddies were going to Superstition Mountain instead of Ocotillo Wells, and I haven't been to uh, Superstition Mountain before, and Ocotillo Wells is, like, really nice because there's a gas station right down the way, so we go, you know, do 100 miles a day in off-roading. We need to top off every morning. That way we have gas all the time. Or Superstition, the closest gas station is like 30 minutes away, like 30 miles almost. And um, so it's just kind of a pain in the ass because that means every morning you'd have to go out there and get gas. And that's like half your morning because most people like to sit around and drink rather than go get gas. Guilty. Um, (laughs) So... We were planning on going to Ocotillo Wells, just me, my brother, my dad, and whoever else kind of meets us out there. And my dad ended up having some problems with his Jeep, and then he got sick. And so he's like, you know what? I'm out. I'm not going. My Jeep's fucked up. He broke an upper control arm, and he has some, He stripped one of his lower link uh, joints in the, in the link itself. So he didn't have the parts to be able to go, and he got sick. So he said, fuck it. I'm not working on it anymore. So my brother's like, well, I'll just take dad's motor home. And why don't we just go out to Superstition with our other buddies? Like, honestly, I don't really give a shit. I'm only going to be out there for a day this year because we had to come back. Uh, we had some friends over from out of state on Saturday. And so we had to be home by Saturday morning so we could prep and cook the turkey and all that stuff. So I only got to do 24 hours. So anyway, we went to Superstition Mountain. And it was a fucking blast. I will be going out there again for sure. Um, kind of go, going out there it wasn't too bad of a drive. It's like an hour past Ocotillo Wells. And then going down the main road was just like, because it rained so much. It was just this like super slick mud. Mm-hmm. That was like peanut butter. And I was driving behind <laughs> my buddy. He, was, he has an F-250. And he has a toy hauler trailer that he has his Jeep inside the toy hauler. And we're driving down the road and we're going pretty slow, probably 10, maybe 15 miles an hour. But honestly, it's probably closer to 10. And I see him in front of me and all of a sudden it looks like he just yanked the wheel and turned. But that's not what happened. He was just driving straight and all of a sudden the motorhome or the whole truck and trailer just starts getting sideways going down the road. And we're only going like 10 miles an hour. So it's not like anything like, oh, shit, he's going to crash and die. And I'm like, dude, what's going on? So I get on the radio. I was like, dude, are you all right? Because I can't stop. You can see him tapping the brakes and nothing's happening. And he tries turning. Nothing's really happening. Tries giving it gas. Nothing's happening. And we're going so slow and he's sliding for so long that we're able to like talk as he's doing, as this whole thing is going on. He was probably sliding for at least a good 10, 15 seconds of just straight sliding. <laughs> and he, there's nothing he can do. So it was pretty gnarly. And then like the road was flooded up ahead. So we had to go out and around and it's kind of a clusterfuck on that main road. But other than that, so what's cool about superstition is at first when I went there, I had no idea what to expect. Um, I just knew like a lot of pre-runner guys like to go out there. 
And right. um, oh shit, I think I have a appointment going on right now with that I didn't uh, know about. I just saw some guy pull up. So let me can we pause this for a second. <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right, we're back after Stephen's fucking union break. Um, <laughs> Stephen, you were talking about uh, the fuck is the name of the place you went? Superstition Mountain. Superstition Mountain. You're talking about all the pre runners go there. You just driven in on the shitty road. Yeah. So uh, yeah, a lot of the pre runner guys go there, but I had no idea like what uh, what it's all about. So I didn't do any research. Didn't really know anyone that went very often, and. Uh, so yeah, we get out there and we get out there and it was like, I don't know, 10 o'clock at night, maybe even later than that. I don't remember. Actually, it was probably close to after midnight. But um, so I got there, it was pitch black, no idea what to expect. I wake up and there's like a huge, not huge, but there's a big, like, it would be a huge hill, small mountain, huge hill. And um, I noticed that it's like got a lot of sand and like out here in the, where we're camping is like kind of sandy. And again, wasn't really sure what to expect. So I was like, yeah, I might jump in my truck and go cruise around. And there's a bunch of sand dunes, which I was not expecting there. I figured there might be like some sand hills or whatever, but there's actual dunes on like one whole side of the mountain. It's all dunes. It was really cool. There was, and it just rained. So the sand was like pretty stick, really firm. So I was actually able to be in like four high and carve around on these dunes. So I get back to camp and I was like, dude, this is awesome. We're having so much i was already having so much fun and i was just out there for like 10 minutes by myself so i brought the wife and kids and we went out and they had a lot of fun we got back to camp and i was like all right let's go for a run let's actually go do something so we went out and I actually went for a real run and we're carving around the dunes doing all kinds of cool stuff and then found some rock crawling trails and uh or a rock crawling trail there's more out there but we only got to one of them and i think you probably saw the video i posted on instagram I got denied. I couldn't get through it. <laughs> I looked, did. It looked so easy. Like I pulled up to it and I walked up a little ways and I was like, all right, we're good. Like, let's go. And so me and two buddies planning on going. The rest of the group was going to meet us at the top at the radio tower. And I started going through it. And because it's like one rock slanted on one side and then it's like V notches that are offset. <clears throat> so you're not climbing a V notch all at once. It's like, you have one, two, three, four, five, like back and forth. So you're oh, constantly okay, like okay. flexed out. So in the video, it looks like I'm just trying to climb over a rock, but my rear tire is trying to climb over two rocks at the same. Both rear tires are trying to climb, and I'm kind of pinned against the hill, trying not to blow out my other window. Um, mm. So I was having a tough time. I finally, in the video that I posted, I finally got past that point, like over that rock I was trying to, but then I couldn't get past the next one. And I just kept getting like pinned, and I was stuck on my frame. And so I couldn't, every time I tried to go over, I kept getting stuck on my frame. So I was like, you know what? I have to drive this home in like five hours. Let's just back up and go do something else. <laughs> and so right. I backed up. Those two guys, they did it. Uh, one was on 35s. He was an XJ on 35s. Got pretty good, like long arm suspension. The other guy was on uh, a TJ with a Dana 44 front, a Dana 60 rear on 37s. So he just crawled over his shit's badass so but yeah so for the most part it was really cool because there's a good mix of things so there's like the high speed desert stuff there's the dunes and then there's rock crawling all within the same area this is the biggest bummer is the gas so what i did is when i was in ocotillo wells for guys trip a few weeks ago i was talking to a buddy and he had a 33 gallon 
fuel drum with a pump on it. And he offered to sell it to me. So I bought it for a hundred bucks and I had a 33 gallon fuel drum with a pump on it. And so I let my brother use that since he was going to be out there for four days. And then I was only going to be out there for the 24 hours. So I just topped right. off. I used to have like a five gallon gas can. I filled up and then got to the main road, topped off gas once I got to the highway. But yeah, it was really cool. I'm, I definitely am looking forward to going back out there. I have to go out there in like January or something or maybe New Year's because it's a shit ton of fun. I feel like I'd, if you had a little bit more travel in the front or a little bit bigger tire, you would have made it no problem. Probably. And if I maybe I aired down a little bit lower, I may have gotten over it. I just because right. I was not going to be there for very long and I wanted to actually enjoy my few hours that I had out there, not be fixing anything that broke. It wasn't worth right. it to me for me to get through that one obstacle when there was so much other stuff that I wanted to check out while I was there. So right. I was like, instead of just fucking with this, let's just go do something else and then we'll do this next time. So I didn't want to keep pushing too hard. And then my wife was already like, come on, let's go do something else. All right, whatever. So yeah, Works it's kind me. of a, it's hard in the video. It's definitely hard. Even in person. I mean, I, when I came up to it, I was like, okay, this is easy. Just like, up, 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 up over all these little hills and little rocks, whatever. And I thought it was gonna be pretty easy. And then, sure shit, I was having a tough time. Mix of like wheelbase and IFS, honestly, probably the well, and two factors. Your like driver rear tire was like bare. Like the rock you're trying to call it the driver rear was like bigger than the tire itself. Yeah, yeah. And then once I got over that rock in the rear, then I was pinned on my bumper. So yeah. my back tire, so I was pinned on my frame on the front, on the passenger side, middle of the frame I was sitting on. And then the back driver side, I was like sitting on top of the rock. And so okay. I had like not enough weight on my tires to give traction, even being locked front and rear. Like people kept commenting on the video. Is your front locker working? Are your lockers working? Like, yeah. You I just kept turning them on spinning. and off. Yeah. I kept turning them on and off just because I didn't want to turn and stuff with yeah, or reverse with a the front yeah. locker on. Exactly. So I just click it off, try to readjust and then turn it back on and go. But yeah, so it was cool. The trail itself was pretty short. It looked like, but uh, it was just the obstacle based on what I, I walked up probably like I don't know, a few hundred yards. And it looked like it was just that one obstacle and a short trail. But I think it, right. there's like another trail on the other side. I don't know. Next time Thanks, I'll get through it. So okay. what about you? What did you do this weekend? Uh, this weekend, I didn't do much on, or yeah, fr Thursday, Friday, just Thanksgiving and shit. And then Saturday, it was supposed to be a tree run. And it was supposed to be like me, my girlfriend, my dad, my mom, because my parents wanted to go. <clears throat> so I was like, yeah, you guys can come hang out and we'll go up uh, with the group of people. And then I forgot that it was Kayla's dad's birthday on that mm. Saturday. Um. And she had told me at like the beginning of November that we were going to do something. I had forgot or not communicated. <laughs> my opinion, it was her fault. Her opinion, it was my fault. You know how that goes. Yeah, uh, it always is that way. Right? So Saturday, uh, I was like, well, I already told my mom and dad that I would take them. Um, so I told her on Saturday morning, I will take them out and come back. So she can do shopping and shit and whatever. And uh mm -hmm. And then I'll be back early afternoon and then we can go to her parents' house for a dad's birthday and whatever. And uh, 
then my dad tells me, he's like, yeah, I'm working overtime on Friday. I'm not going to pass up 12 hours of overtime. And I was like, mm -hmm. all right. So I was like, <laughs> it was just me and my mom. And then we ended up meeting the group that was supposed that I was supposed to go with because there's an area over here we can take a highway out, jump into the trails and it'll go up over. It's called Stampede Pass and it'll come out onto the another highway, another interstate. And then you can run that back. And it's like, you know, five or six hours in the snow to cross nice. from highway to highway through the mountains, which is pretty cool. There wasn't a lot yeah, of snow like there has been in the past, but there is enough to, you know, it was somewhat fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we so have a similar we just, trail out here that goes highway to highway. And that, that's what we yeah. used to be like in high school. That was like our, our go-to thing. Right. And so we didn't go all the way over on Saturday because I still wanted to be back in the late afternoon. So we just went up and came back. And then I get back, I'm sitting at home, uh, ready, ready to go to my girlfriend's parents' house. And I'm like, just looking at, looking on my phone and I see in the event page on Facebook for this, like some pictures mm -hmm. and my buddy's forerunner flipped onto its side. Oh shit. And he was with that group of people that I met up with. And I was like, and like looking at the picture, I'm like, what the fuck happened? There's no way that he flipped there like just like looking at the picture it's hard to uh hard to tell what happened hard to tell what could have happened and the other thing that's and for anyone wondering he already posted about this on facebook himself so he i know he's dealing with insurance stuff so i'm not letting out any information that he hasn't already publicly posted uh and that forerunner was like the cleanest third gen that i've ever seen in my life anyway uh yeah, and so apparently, like, the this, this snow, there wasn't a ton of snow anywhere we were at, and, like, it had enough mm -hmm. traffic on it where it was, like, kind of slick, icy snow. Mm -hmm. And apparently, at some point on their way down the other side, someone made the decision to not run four low anymore and to run four high. Uh, and I guess he came around a corner, was going a little too fast or something, and uh, the ass end of the truck stepped out, and I'm assuming he tapped the brakes. And as soon as he tapped the brakes, the truck spun around. Front of the truck went into the ditch, caught the front bumper, and flipped the truck onto its side. Oh, uh, shit. And I'm like, that just fucking sucks. And it's bad, too. I haven't seen the truck in person yet. Um, I need to go up to his house and see it. But uh, he said, like, it hit, it, it hit the A-pillar so hard, it actually cracked, like, the dash by the gauge cluster and everything. And, like buckled all wow. that uh and it like something in the headliner um like you can tell like the headliners pushed together and then if he posted a picture of the rear bumper was uh like the rear bumper and the body line and on the mm -hmm. passenger side the rear bumper to the body line is like an inch with the hatch open and on mm -hmm. the driver's side it's like four inches uh wow so it's like it looks like the body itself is majorly tweaked. I'm not sure what if it would even be yeah. worth fixing. I know he's going through insurance, probably total it out and buy it back. And then he might or he sounds like he's probably going to buy another swap. third gen or cab swap it or something like that. So, damn, that's a bummer. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it, it's like, you know, he was fine. He was a little like scraped up and shit. But once, you know. He was all fine and good. Then we're all like, fuck, that was like the cleanest third gen. And he wheeled it too. I mean, he didn't do 
some of the ridiculous stuff up here. He didn't beat the hell out of it, but he did wheel it. He didn't beat, yeah, he didn't beat the hell out of it, but like he followed us everywhere. If there was something hard that he had to do, he would do it. If there was like something hard and there was a bypass, he'd probably just bypass it. But, you know, if he had to do it, he didn't have any problems doing it. That's what he built it for, but it was just so clean. So, that's cool. Yeah, that sucks that it's done, but it's cool that he actually used yeah. it. So and then I went back up. What a shitty demise. <laughs> right? And then so I went back up to the same area with another group of guys on Sunday and did the highway to highway run uh, and got a tree for, because I got a tree for my parents on Sunday or Saturday with my mom. And then on Sunday, me and Kayla got a tree and then the other buddies that I was with went Is up and over. Is that pretty popular to just go up and get your own tree? Yeah, up, up like there a, it is. There's, yeah, there's a you, you'll see certain groups that do it. We go a little higher up than other people because other people uh, that are up there in like their full size pickups and street tires can't make it very far. But oh, gotcha. Yeah, in that area, yeah, it's pretty common. We're not allowed to do that up here. You're not allowed to cut, your own. cut down tree, and it's only for like fire firewood use. It has to be like certain yeah. types of trees and certain like locations and you have to have a permit ahead of time yeah. and it's not like worth it and our trees kind of suck we don't have like the really nice pretty ones like you guys do right so yeah, yeah we you do have to get a permit um and there is certain they'll change like the areas that you can get them every couple years mm-hmm. uh and then they limit to 12 feet which is i don't know who the fuck Funny. needs a 12 foot christmas tree um <laughs> Yeah, ours is like seven feet in our, my apartment and it's like huge. Um, yeah, right. And yeah, but you got to get a permit 12 feet's the max. And then they like have a thing on there, like try not to cut if you're with the group, like all the trees down in a group, try to like spread out as you cut trees down because mm-hmm. the, the, when they seed up here, cause they'll like log an area and then like it obviously naturally gets seeded and then sometimes they'll, you know, try to plant an area, but the trees mm-hmm. up here growing so fucking thick. It's almost like beneficial to have us, you know, have people go up there and get Christmas trees and kind of thin it out and then out. they don't, cause they're going to end up dying anyway. So yeah, if it just turns to out. firewood for the forest fire. Exactly. Yep. Which yeah. is like pretty common, especially in that area. You can actually see there's, there's a pretty bad burn area where the cut area was last year for Christmas trees. And mm-hmm. even like the surrounding trees that didn't burn at all, but like chemicals from like foam drop and stuff on them, you can like see mm-hmm. that the trees are like half dead and trying to still live and stuff. But bummer. Yeah. And it's super eerie going through like wildfire, wildfire areas. Cause it feels like, like, is this what it's like to be on the moon? There's like no vegetation. It's just like, <laughs> branchless yeah, trees how, and nothing on the ground yeah that's kind of how it is in like our mountains there's because we have fires so often and we have like such big fires that you'll be going right. there's some spots that are like super dense and there hasn't been a burn in a long time or it's in like the wilderness area where you can't off-road then you go through other right. areas like in the backside of holcomb valley there's a couple spots that you know it was an old burn area and you go through it it's like damn that's there's like no trees or all the trees are just bark now or not bark but right bare wood all the bark's dead and burnt off and it's just these black burnt trees yeah maybe some branches but nothing growing on it it's like what the fuck happened here 
Yeah, it's yeah. hard to tell because our trees, our forest doesn't grow that fast. So it's hard to tell right. how long ago things came. But you guys, you guys get yeah. so much rain that your trees probably grow fast as shit. But not so. Don't quote area. me on this, but I think if they, uh, um, if they log and plant an area, I think they can log that same area again in like 50 years or something like that. Wow. Because I'll see areas when we're hunting and they'll have like signs up of like when this was logged and it'll be like 1963 mm-hmm. and like you can damn near look at it and it can damn near be logged again. Like it's so, shit grows so fast. And that's on the Impressive. west side. I imagine the east side is a little more sparse because it's way drier on the east side. But, mm-hmm. but anyway. <laughs> no. Tangent. We'll get into a little more interesting topics than uh talking about trees. cutting down Christmas trees. Yeah. <laughs> um so so what's so next on the Steven, agenda? When you go out wheeling, um do you air down at all? Airing down? What's that? Yeah, of course I air down. <laughs> you air <laughs> so, you air down to twenty eight to thirty five PSI, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I air down to street, this been, street pressure. Yeah, this has been a topic. Now I know I shared the one story of Swell Runner saying you know, and he airs down to like 25 PSI. And I saw another thing from a guy up here uh, that he went out to a popular area called Gallagher Lake. And like, you could see the truck sitting and I was like, and he's like, it was icy. I couldn't make it. I was like, did you air down? He's like to 20. I'm like, that doesn't fuck. I was like, maybe in the sand, like 18 in the sand or something, you know, but no, like, you want to air down more in the sand. Yeah. I mean, I don't run sand that often. And like I've been to the dunes like twice and I've always gone to like 15 and like called that good enough. But it's like, this guy's like, yeah, he's like, he's like 20. And I was like, that's like, that's highway pressure. I should, I was like, when we run in the fucking snow and ice up here, I start at 10. If it starts getting shitty, I mean, I've ended up at like three or four. And like, obviously if you're not wow. like turning super sharp or, you know, mm. yeah, it depends, it depends on your, what you're doing with your vehicle. Right. Like for me, if I know I'm going to be like, on some dirt and like back and forth dirt highway dirt highway which is pretty rare but i have done it before i'll air down to like 20 you know if i'm going to be mostly highway stuff um that way just a little bit more traction a little bit more comfortable on the dirt but i could still drive at highway speeds at about 20 psi anything lower than that i usually don't drive at highway speeds for more than a few miles Um, but typically like the highest i air down to is like 15 that's honestly on the really high side my Right. My go-to because we do like go fast stuff. So if like I'm in, I'm in Ocotillo, I usually air down to like twelve. Yeah, so, that sounds about right. And then if I if I'm doing like a rock crawling trail, like when we went and did like Doozy, where I'm not going to air up for a while, and it's you know just rock crawling, I'm not going to be going more than like ten miles an hour. I'll air down to like eight. Any lower than that, I feel like I just lose ground clearance. So yeah, usually I anywhere from that. eight to twelve is like my go-to. And then if I know I'm going to be doing like no rock crawling at all. I might be going a little bit above 12, but there's really 12 is usually my go-to for desert stuff. Yeah. my That's pretty much where I'm at. If, if I'm just going, there's a few spots up here and we'll, instead of taking the highway over, we'll get on like a connect, like there's like, it's called a Natchez trail. You can run mm-hmm. that from like Western Dan, like as East as you can be in Western Washington and you can run it up and over the pass into Eastern Washington. Uh, I don't know how many miles it is, to be honest. It's I could look and tell you, but it doesn't really matter. If I'm on like shit like that, where it's more like forest road type, 
uh, or mm. access road type, uh, and I'm not doing any actual wheeling, I'll stay, you know, high teens, like 18, 20 yeah. PSI, somewhere in there. Yeah, and then if I start much lower than that. Yeah, exactly. And we don't have unless we're we don't have any areas over up here where it's like you're going to have sand and, you know, rock crawling. You're basically going to be in a wheeling area or a um, sandy area, yeah, sandy area. Uh, you don't really mm-hmm. get pulled at the same time. So if we're actually wheeling, like we'll be in Natchez wheeling for, uh, you know, like four days, I air down to like eight and leave it there. There's some obstacles up here that um, on like hard climbs where you don't need a ton of ground clearance where I've gone down to like five and it made it a lot easier. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, in the rocks, I like to say around eight, like you said, if not, you start losing ground clearance pretty fucking fast. Uh, yeah, the lowest I've really ever gone, I think I when I went to Glamis, I was still on 33s at the time. Um, I went to Glamis once and I think I aired down to like four PSI and I didn't, I didn't go out in the big dune, so I didn't need to go that low and it really sucked on the steering trying to turn yeah. with the PSI that low. So right. I ended up airing back up to eight. I think if I remember right, I aired back up to eight or something and I ended up working out great. So ever since I did that, I've never really felt to go any lower just because I'm always scared to go into a corner hard and roll a bead, even though I, I've never yeah, rolled a bead. Exactly. But, and I have narrow wheels, I still, you power into a corner, and if that shit grabs, especially if you're like, you're on a hill, you're kind of fucked. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because a blowout, especially if you're going fast into a corner on a steer axle, is going to be, you know. It's just going to grab. Scary. It's just going to dig into the yeah. ground and roll. Yeah. Rip That's, I've hard, only, so. we've, I've been down to the Oregon Dunes, the Coos Bay area uh one time in my fj and i went to 15 and i wasn't trying like i don't know i'm not really a <coughs> sand guy and then we went mm-hmm. to moses lake and i did the same thing i that was the one time i debeated was in the dunes at 15 and because i was and i say dunes there was six inches of snow on top of the dunes that's washington state for you <laughs> yeah that's which crazy. was cool because like the dunes were like you would go right through the snow down to the surface and you weren't, you wouldn't dig a hole like you would have good. It was almost like, uh, it was almost like I don't know Moab style rock is what it felt like because it wasn't really icy, but it didn't really dig out either. Kind of had a decent amount of grip on it. Uh, in most areas, some areas it was just fucking straight ice. But uh, yeah, I was turning into a corner trying to beat a guy to this one trail that we were trying to take, and I hit a like a four foot tall berm. And I thought I broke a tie rod, but I ended up just blowing a bead on the tire and then um, it. just reseating it. It was fine. But nice. yeah, I see you guys all the time up here. They're like, or guys driving like, you know, your standard fifth gen forerunners with, you know, with the air down. everything and their air down. They're like, yeah, air down. I'm like, to what? Like 20? I'm like, okay. That's nothing. That's, you know, that's I right. could drive I mean, home. The only on reason four. that you do that is if you're, if you know you're going to be on like a dirt road back and forth on the highway yeah. and you don't want to air up back and d- up and down, then yeah, that's right. fine. But I mean, yeah, if I would drive on the highway on it, down. it's not airing down. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, I have buddies like, cause a lot of the desert guys, they don't air down below like 30, 25, 30 PSI. That's just what they run. Right. And, but they'll be going like, we, uh, Two trips ago, I went to, went to Ocotillo. There were some guys that are like in badass buggies, you know, long travel built buggies with LS motors. 
39 inch tires and they're running at 30 psi and we're going over some roads and they're like that was the most miserable thing of my life I'm like what it wasn't yeah. that bad i was like oh wait Drop you guys are aired up to like 30 fucking psi on these tires yeah. and you're just chattering losing your teeth where i'm able to go like 40 miles an hour on the same road and it's not that bad it's just bumpy you know just the washboard but it's not that bad for them it was terrible and they never wanted to take that road again kind of thing kind of funny yeah airing down helps a lot with that like if i'm hunting for like a week up in an area i'll air down to like 20 psi just so i can actually fucking drive around comfortably like mm-hmm. that's yeah. why i have a compressor and I, I get why the pre-runner guys don't go so low one they um uh, if you go too low then you're just gonna if you hit a a rock or something at high speed you're just gonna smash your your rim or pop a tire right. or something you're gonna pinch it but for us guys that don't go more than like 60 miles an hour we can go pretty right. low and we're not gonna I've, i mean i've hit stuff pretty hard at a decent pace at you know 12 14 psi in the desert right. and i've never had any serious issues so i think i think there's a happy medium depending on what your speeds are Makes sense. All right. Well, that's all I wanted to talk about on fucking airing down, but I figured we'd touch <laughs> on it a little bit because I like talking shit and I haven't been able to do that about overlanders in a while. No offense, yeah, overlanders. Like that's your one of your favorite hobbies. That is. That's my number one hobby is overlanding. <laughs> so well, I got. I still so haven't got that fucking. Yep. <laughs> exactly. You still that's the main what? reason I. Well, I was going to say, I still haven't got that tent from our sponsor yet. Um, Oh, you know, yeah. Maybe they did. They end up sending you two or. uh, I was still waiting for the check. I was still waiting for the the cash, the the Mm. check to cash and do all my long travel and stuff. But well, it should. It's probably still in the mail somewhere. You know how the government works. It's it'll get there. Yeah, Yeah. I'll wait. Yep, I just keep waiting on that. So next order of business, since we like the tech talk, how long can you go today? Also, by the way, I have another like fifteen minutes or so. Let's see what so time? We'll, is it. I have about fifteen minutes. Okay, we'll start talking about this, and uh, we can maybe roll it into the next. Yeah, see where it goes. Uh, so I know we talked briefly before we actually started recording, and you told me shut the fuck up, and we could actually talk about this uh, on the podcast. On the because it made for better content <laughs> than me telling you what I was going to talk about on the podcast instead of just talking about it. So yeah. my, I've been going back and forth between now, this is not something that's going to be happening like the next two months. This is, you know, I'm trying to figure out long-term next place to go, start collecting parts. Uh, so I can start, you know, getting this process that I want to do knocked out. And I've been going back and forth on a few things whether well first off both my up himes and my upper links are shot and i don't really want to replace them uh because i would rather you know do something different than spend the money to replace himes that i'm gonna end up replacing again anyway mm-hmm. so i've ran some numbers through a calculator on just relinking with stock lower link link length and upper and then extend the upper link out to the frame rail kind of like how phoenix's truck is set up right now um Mm -hmm. and i'll send you the information that i have on that which i don't have in front of me which i probably should have 
Um, so you yeah, can kind of look at the numbers the and what, yeah, on what that looks like. Uh, it looked good enough to do that now um, because long term, <laughs> I would like to uh, do a true four link and mm -hmm. have the fuel cell or have the, not a fuel cell, but relocate the fuel tank um, and most likely do it with the F-150 tank like uh, Keith was talking about and then do a mm -hmm. true double triangulated four link. So basically what I want to talk to you about is one, three link versus four link and then uh, what your process was because I know you've done it on your uh, Forerunner and now you've done it on Kyle's Tacoma. What you look at, some things to pay attention to. I know we only have, you mm -hmm. know, 15 minutes left to yeah. talk about it, but let's kind of get into it a little bit so we can kind of give people a little bit to look forward to the next time we uh, start talking about this. Mm -hmm. So the big thing with the, the difference between three link and four link, the biggest things that's going to be limited on what your goals and what you're going to do is packaging. Obviously, four link for the most part is better. Dual triangulated four link for the most part is better. One is because you don't, the biggest reason is you don't have the pan hard holding your axle laterally. Um, and because the pan hard, when it swings, like we talked about in the last couple episodes uh, with Phoenix and Keith, as the pan hard swings, you get that rear end wag feel. So you right. can only make your pan hard so long uh, before it starts getting funky. And uh, that is how you control your roll center. Uh, three link isn't terrible by any means. Some people will say that it's terrible. It's not, it's just four link is cooler and it's better. It is better. Um, especially once you get into big travel numbers and you're getting a lot of vertical travel rather than like just flex travel, you're getting straight up and down right. travel, then you're going to notice that rear end wag or if you're just flexing, it's really not that big of a deal. Um, so that's kind of the big differences between three link and four link. I mean, not big differences, but those are the little things to keep in mind. And I've seen but the reason Oh God. I've seen some three linked trucks that pull big travel numbers and they rock crawl, but they still pull. I've seen a mm -hmm. couple up here that three linked rear trucks that pull some, you know, they're running 16 inch coilovers, not like a trailing arm setup, but they're mounted off the axle, like a couple inches on one of the arms. Uh, mm -hmm. Just cause like basically like a, <coughs> a you talking about like, like the KB tech one. Yeah. Almost like that. Um, yeah. Not quite. And that's a pretty legit standard. setup. Right. Of course, yeah. His stuff's pretty but, pretty badass, like quality-wise. Yeah. It's like it's yeah. way out of our budget, but right. still the idea. I mean, yeah, you could totally do it. And the good thing about that is packaging because the reason that they did four or three-link over four-link is you don't have to move the fuel tank. That's the number one right. reason why people don't want to do four-link is because you don't have to relocate the fuel tank. You could just maybe move your exhaust a little bit and make some clearance, make some room. Um, and some people that we've talked to you don't even have to make new upper brackets. You just plate the upper brackets, the stock link upper brackets on the axle. Just beef those right. up and then go straight from that to the frame rail or cross member or whatever. And, you know, it's a, it's a lot easier. thing with four link is you have now, you have more stuff to cut off. You have to make sure everything's double triangulated. Um, you have to make sure that your uppers mount to the right spots equally on both sides because sometimes the vehicle is not the same on both sides depending on what's there you might have fuel lines exhaust obviously you're gonna have to move your fuel tank 
Uh, there could be things in the way that the body hangs down lower in one side than the other. So the big thing is with like four link, it's a lot harder to package. You have to make sure that you have all the clearance and room to do so because yeah, now you have two upper links going from one side of the or both sides of the frame rail down to the center of the axle. So and then another, it seems like with four link two, I mean not. Obviously, you can do stuff different ways, but a lot of times, at least from what I've seen, four link, you're going to be mounting to the top of uh, the center section on your axle, assuming it's not offset. Um, mm-hmm. And that's going to make the quote unquote axle third member pumpkin area taller so you can start running into violating the floor. Um, well, with that. Yeah, that that is true. You will end up having that problem because on a three link, your roll center is determined by your panhard height where it's right. not controlled by your upper link. Your upper link is all it's doing is controlling your rotational forces. It doesn't do right. anything else besides controlling your rotational forces on the axle. Your anti-squat and all that is all determined by the panhard height and your roll center and all that. So, um, okay. so yeah, you can have a lower, you still have to have a certain amount of tri- uh, height difference on a three link, just like the four link. Uh, a, right. a rule of thumb that I've been told and I've gone by it. I have a little bit less on mine myself, but 25% of your tire height is what your vertical separation should be on your axle between your upper and lower link. Um, okay. That's just a rule of rough rule of thumb. It doesn't really mean anything what? particular. Take it okay. with a grain of salt. I was going to say, is there a reason behind that? or So that way, if you, especially if you have like high torque or high horsepower okay. or whatever, when right. you punch it, you're going to have a lot of rotational forces on that. And if it's too low, it's going to put a lot more strain leverage wise on your joints and your links and stuff. And when you have a four link compared to a three link, a four link, your upper, if it's, it should be typically your upper is uh, double triangulated most of the time uh, or triangulated <clears throat> most of the time, not parallel. That is also centering your axle, your upper is. And so when your upper right. centering your axle, it has additional forces that keep it from moving laterally and then you have the rotational forces on top of that so you have yeah you have two links but you have a lot more force it's holding things in multiple different directions so when you have high horsepower and you have all that stuff going on and if you have a lot of triangulation well i don't know if you you work in a a manufacturing do you ever use slings to lift stuff with a crane or anything like that like every day (laughs) okay so, you know, when you go over a certain degree on the sling, it loses its uh, holding capacity by quite a bit. The, longer, yep. the further you go out, the worse it gets. Yep. Same thing with your links. The more you triangulate it, you're going to have more uh, sideways uh, or lateral st- stability. It's going to hold things more laterally. But once you get to a certain point, now the links are putting a lot of pressure at a weird angle on those links. So there is a point where sense. your triangulation has diminishing returns in regards to strength. So yeah, I try to put in some terms that so people might be able to visualize it. Um, if you just basically make a triangle with your two index fingers, like, you know, point them, the tips of your mm-hmm. fingers, put your palms together, point tips of your fingers away from each other. And the further the tips of your fingers get apart, you're going to have more triangulation, but if you look like down by your knuckle, that's where that weak point's going to start to be because you're, you're, you're putting so much. If once you start adding torque to that, that bar or link is going to have to 
it, at a break strength is going to have to bend somewhere. And uh, the steeper that angle gets, the more force is going to be towards the center of that bar. The, the shallower the angle is, so the closer your fingertips would be together, the more uh, torque is put on the hymns and uh, themselves. Straight down the center versus, of the bar. Right, instead of, yeah, instead of really wide. And... Yeah, that makes sense. And then it yeah, seems so. like one thing I've seen with, you know, long, like, setups with a lot of travel in a three-link is mm. that you do get... You know, I've seen some that it almost looks like there's like three inches of wag in the rear, like from all the way tucked to all the way drooped out, you know, because that axle obviously is swinging on the pan mm -hmm. hard. So with three link setups, you can get some quote unquote rear steer off of it. It, it wouldn't be, especially. it wouldn't necessarily be rear steer. That's not necessarily the right term for it, but it's going to change your tracking the way right, your front axle right. tracks with your rear axle. So, I mean, it kind of steers in a way, but not technically because you're not going to necessarily steer. You're just, your your vehicle would actually just move a little bit of an angle. Your rear right, okay, move a little bit of an angle. Not necessarily steer. You're still going to be fit. Your axle is still going to face the same direction. So it's not necessarily going to oh, steer. Oh, yeah, good call. Rear steer is going to be something where your axle changes one tire further back than the other, which now is steering you. So Right, makes sense. Not, not quite the right term, but yeah. You're going to have more of that what um, Phoenix described it as that wag, you know, what you said, right. yaw. You're going to have a little bit more of a yaw, you know, the way your vehicle tracks down the road. So that that's and the negative. Of, that's the biggest negative of three link in the rear. And especially when you're going faster and stuff like that, you want the rear axle. I mean, the front, too. But since we're talking about the rear, you really want that rear, you know, from all the way tucked to all the way drooped out to stay mm -hmm. in that same track because it makes the truck more predictable. Uh, Definitely. When you're driving, especially <laughs> yeah, if your tires thing. are coming off the ground at all. Exactly. And yeah, it's like, like say if you're hitting whoops and you have a three link and your whole axle is pushing, you know, it goes down and it swings down an inch, two inches if it's, if it's a lot. Um, well, imagine what it does if you're going almost full bump to full droop to almost full bump back to full droop. Imagine how much you're, your body because it's not going to be just your axle that's moving it's going to push your body yeah. too so if your vehicle yeah. is now moving back and forth that's not only going to be really shitty on the handling but it's also going to put a lot of pressure on other things in your body it's going to have to move your whole entire vehicle and it's going to i don't know the characteristics but i know it's not going to be good <laughs> yeah so, and it, well, i don't obviously know how bad you're it going is, but it can't be good yeah and when you're going faster and you start getting all of that wag there's going to be so much more steering correction Obviously, when you're going mm -hmm. fast through the desert, there's a lot of steering correction anyway. But mm -hmm. as much as you can minimize that steering correction, um, uh, obviously, the better. Um, exactly. So the other, yeah. we'll touch on it real quick. Um, now, double triangulated versus triangulated uppers and parallel lower links. So the thing with that is I'm not a super expert on this but so the thing with you see a lot on the lowers you you got to be able to have the right roll axis angle so if you're if you're trying to tuck your lower links frame side up from what i've experienced running through the calculator you're gonna lose your if they're parallel say so start with parallel and if you try to move the uppers or the lowers up further on the frame side then it's going to really screw with your roll axis angle 
And so what you need to do is you triangulate that a little bit further and it helps fix your Rolex angle, reduce that angle. So that way it, you lose the rear steer. Um, having the triangulation on the lowers also helps keep things a little more stable. And that means you don't necessarily need to have as much triangulation on the uppers because the triangulation is also how it affects the roll axis angle. Like we talked about. Um, right. So there's a lot of pros and cons to having it really, it matters because you can have parallel. There's nothing necessarily wrong with having parallel as long as you have the right suspension geometry um, with the like pre under guys, they have a lot of times they have their lowers parallel, but they're not flexing a lot. They run stiff sway bars. They have slightly slow or they have a lower roll center than what a rock crawling truck would have. They right. have, they want more stability and they're not flexing a lot. It's not like they're going over rocks and trying to flex where that's that roll axis single is going to be you know super shitty. They can have it not, uh, not as perfect roll axis angle because of their, um, all the other dimensions and what their goals are. And then with them too, is they're not so worried about ground clearance where rock crawler guys, you do want ground clearance. So you do want to move things up as much as possible while still getting a decent right height or a decent, um, suspension geometry, relax single and anti-squat. So it seems like rock crawlers usually have a little bit higher anti-squat. So you can push those links up a little bit on the frame side where on the pre-render guys, they seem to run a little bit lower on the anti-squat. And that's why their frame or the links on the frame side hang really low. So, right. so there's a lot of different variables and you got to figure out what your goals are out of the vehicle and what your constraints really are. So in your situation, is it worth doing modifying the current suspension setup? Because if you're modifying, if you're modifying just the upper link and that's all you're touching, you're really not going to be changing the you're not going to change anything on the roll axis, as far as I right. can remember, because you're just moving the upper link. The only thing you're really going to change from what I can think of would be your, um, what do you call it? <clears throat> Why am I? Just, oh, um, pinion angle change. That'd be like the biggest right. thing. I don't think, I don't think that you'd even have a ton in the, um, anti-squat department because most of that is based on your roll center. Your roll center is determined by your pan heart height, as far as I can remember. Yeah, from what I can see, if I was to just move the passenger side upper link out to the frame rail, um, and I'm not going to go into a whole lot because we don't have a ton of time, but if I was to move that essentially out there um, and get rid of the driver's side link, the few things that it would help with are the two biggest things that it would help with is one... uh, you know, flatten that angle out a little bit from the upper link and mm-hmm. give me way better pinion dive because the pinion dive on the stock stuff is pretty extreme. Um, mm-hmm. And then stop the bi- the binding on the uh, uh, fuel tank side because the uh, upper link, my upper link currently hits my fuel tank at full droop. Uh, mm-hmm. So on that side, so yeah. it would get rid of that issue. Um, and then the upper links that I have are a Heim upper on the frame side and, mm-hmm. uh, polyurethane on the axle side. Uh, and I mm-hmm. run out of travel because of the, um, and I assume it has to do with the distant, the length of the link has something to do with it, but at, yeah. at full flex on when it's dropped out 
on the passenger side that the Heim is maxed out and then it's going in almost maxing out the polyurethane when I'm flexing on that side. So it would help fix a couple small issues, but it obviously wouldn't help. Are you running help. two upper links? Yeah. Okay, so that's going to be part of your issue that you're binding. No matter if you have Heims or what, eventually at some point, that stuff's going to bind. And because Heims because don't so give, they just they can just rotate. Yeah, they right. just rotate. Having that fifth link doesn't let everything flex freely. Yeah, you can have Heims that can rotate all they want, but there's no give on any other dimensions. It just, all it can do right. is rotate perfect, or, you know, without, with it, yeah. little to no resistance. So, so essentially, having, like, when short- I had my stock links, I ditched the driver's side upper because I noticed that when I droop it down, all it, everything would bind on that driver's side upper. So I took that off right. and everything was able to drop all the way until the passenger side upper because it's so short until that kind of got maxed out and, and things. But yeah, so that's yeah. how my setup is right now is 100%. I mean, all the links are aftermarket except for the pan hard, but they're all, I still have all of them. So essentially what my plan is short term is to drop the driver's side link and at the same time extend the passenger side link just to, you know, help a little out bit more geometry rail. out to the frame rail and the frame rail mounting it there is a lot stronger than mounting it up on that tubular cross member that goes in there. Uh, uh, can you cut off that cross member or is there other stuff mounted to it like fuel tank? Uh, I don't think the fuel tank mounts to it. I don't know if anything so you, else you mounts to, like, in there. Ditch the cross member. It's tucked up high enough where I don't know if it'd be necessary, but yeah, I probably could. Oh, I'd yeah, have to look. Might, might be fine. Yeah, well, that's cool. Um, yeah, and I think I'm thinking back on what I was saying a minute ago regarding the only things that would change if you move your upper and how the anti squat. I was wrong thinking about it. Um, the pan hard does not affect the anti squat. Your upper link will affect the anti squat, so you can now dial in your anti squat numbers. You by right. changing your upper length, so you can, and because it's going to be longer and closer to the same length as the lower, you're not going to have your anti squat change so drastically throughout the travel if you dial it in Makes correctly. Sense. Makes sense because your numbers, um, because your your instant center would now be able to be further out, and that's not going to change so far distance wise. Makes in, sense in the cycle. Yeah, that's so, so to wrap yeah. this up real quick so you can get out of here. Um, from what you've told me anyway, it seems like uh, four link is quote unquote the better option to go with almost all around. But the major drawbacks of going four link is where you're going to mount your cross member for your links because you have to mm-hmm. mount it to obviously the frame on both sides. So if you're going to run into exhaust and fuel lines or brake lines, um obviously the fuel tank's going to be in the way you're going to have to move that so there's a lot more yeah. work that goes into uh doing a four link if you're just going Absolutely. to be going slow and you don't ever plan on going running anything fast at all um or not necessarily fast at all but you don't plan on really high speed stuff uh three link is a good seems to be a good option because you can keep all the or travel numbers Right. For the amount of work. Exactly. Because you're only mounting it to one side. So you probably all you have, like at least on an FJ, all you really have to do is rotate. Like I have a flow master on mine, so I just have to rotate the muffler so I can weld to the frame. Uh, mm-hmm. And so it's it's work wise. Uh, the three link is easier, but there is geometry drawbacks 
to running a three link, um, especially when it comes to high speed stuff regarding like rear axle swing um, on the pan hard and mm. stuff like that. Exactly. So, anything you yeah. think I'm so missing there? <clears throat> um, for the most part, no. Yeah, just the biggest thing is packaging and making things fit. And you lose like with for like you lose all that space. Like it's hard to even though you have all this void because you have right. all these links moving up and down. Where can you wrap yep. your exhaust? Like mine, I have mine dumped right in the front of the cross member, underneath yeah, exactly. the passenger seat. So like I have mine right. dumped straight out underneath the frame rail. Uh, so yeah, there's just a lot of packaging constraints is the biggest thing. But if you could work around those packaging constraints, get things, you know, get some exhaust work through those links, you know, depending on how you do it. So every link setup is going to be different. So right. But yeah, the more triangulated things are, uh, the harder it is to route things through it, just because there's more links crossing each other. So. Makes sense. All right. We'll finish this up here unless you have anything else to add. Uh, not this week. We can talk, we can come back to this if we, if we want, if we have more questions and kind of delve into a little bit more of the tech side of things, if people want to hear some more about it. And I don't know, we could run some numbers and I can look at your file and we can talk about it on the podcast next week. If you want. Yeah, for sure. Let's, let's plan on that. So guys, one thing, Stephen and I are not necessarily experts on anything that we talk about. If you are, and we said something out of turn, message us, let us know. Say you something. can message us. Yeah, message Asperns uh, on Instagram. Message me on Instagram at Team Groverland or uh, find us on the form at ifsoffroad.com. We don't claim to be experts. So if there's something that we said that's not right or you want to correct us on, if we're wrong and you're right, we're not going to get mad that you're saying, hey, you're wrong. This is yeah, how it's supposed to be. Please correct we us. We want that information. Please correct us. And yeah. then on the following episode, we will. I'll be sure... Um, and Steven will also to bring that up, be like, we said this, that's not necessarily true. This is more accurate, stuff like that. I don't have too much pride. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't really care. Um, if what I say is wrong, I like asking a lot of questions. That's why I like having you on here because you've done a lot more mm -hmm. of this stuff than I have. So it's, it's kind of nice because I'm learning stuff from you, from your knowledge. And then mm -hmm. everyone's also getting, uh, that knowledge. And it's more honest because I'm actually learning it at the same time. It's not just two people that know what they're talking about, talking about something. So mm -hmm. uh, hopefully yeah. I can ask questions that uh, uh, other people exactly. want to know. So. And if people have a lot right. more information and more knowledge, then yeah, come on and teach both of yep. us. Because exactly. I'm not the expert on everything. I just tend to know a little bit more about this stuff than a lot of other people. So that's why I'm talking yep. about it. <laughs> but I'm not an expert yep, by exactly. any all right, everyone, thanks for listening and have a good afternoon or evening or morning, whenever it is you're actually listening. <laughs> Whatever it is, wherever you're, you know, wherever you're at.